2016. This is interviews, music reviews, opinions, and more. This is, this is The Hotter Show. What is up, everybody? We're on out of you here today on episode 282 of The Hotter Show. I hope you guys are doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you so very much for tuning in and clicking that play button on today's episode of the podcast. I have a kick-ass episode for, for you here today, as I try to do every single week right here on The Hotter Show. We are sitting down with the almighty Matt Bischoff. And let me tell you, he's got some serious accolades, okay? Former pro BMX biker. Of course, is uh, was on season 26 of Survivor as one of the castaways there. A fan favorite on season 26 of Survivor. He is the co-host of the Reality Not Safe for Work, formerly the Survivor Not Safe for Work podcast with Johnny Fairplay. And of course, is also the co-host on the Rift Killers podcast. On top of all that, he also is the frontman for the Almighty Moonbow and Soul Group. And of course, is a sponsored ambassador with Mean Beard. So we cover a ton of ground in this conversation, man. I have an absolute blast. It was so fun getting to listen to Matt's stories. A couple moments, I seriously just like kicked back with a big smile on my face. It was so fun. One thing that really bonded Matt and I too is he is a massive, massive fan of Alice in Chains, like bigger than me, huge Alice in Chains fan. And he has some really fun stories about seeing them live when Lane was still with us, including a story that just blew my mind about uh, being on stage with Alice in Chains is something really fun. So keep it tuned to the whole episode. The first bit we kind of talk about his podcast and Survivor and BMXing a little bit. And then kind of the last half, we talk a little bit more about his music and, you know, Soul Group as well as Moon Bolo, Vals and Chains and just really fun talk, man. It was really great getting to chat with him. So, Matt, thank you very much again, brother, for coming on the show. It was an absolute blast. And big thank you to Meme Beard for, you know, basically being the catalyst to really enable this to happen because without them, I would not have met Matt and having the chance to uh, to talk to him and, you know, have him send me some cool pictures of uh, Allison Jameson back in the day, some promo stuff, and, you know, have some really, really cool stories. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know that I enjoyed recording it. Let's get into it. All right, guys, I am absolutely pumped for this because we have the almighty Matt Bischoff on the podcast. Matt, what's up, brother? How are you? What? I'm doing awesome, man. It's it's crazy being on the other end. Usually I'm hosting, you know, podcasts, whether it be my survivor stuff or riff killers, the the music stuff that I'm doing. Um, but it's it's awesome, man, to have uh to come on your show, dude. It's like I, I've seen a lot of your shit. We're mean beard brothers, and uh it's an honor sure. to be on the show, dude. Yeah, man, that's what's cool. Like there's so much stuff that you do and that you've done. I mean, I could have done a 20 minute intro just talking about all the, all the cool things that you've done in your life, but Mm -hmm. man, podcasting music with Moonbone soul group, you know, you were, uh, you know, castaway on a season 26 of survivor. I know one person watching this is very excited about that. So shout out to her on top of that. I mean, you've just, you've led a very interesting life, my friend. So you're someone I've wanted to get on for a long time, but it's funny. I was telling you before we started, how because I wasn't super familiar with your time on Survivor, I was like, well, let us let me just go back and like at least watch some clips just so I can kind of get mm-hmm. a vibe about it. And uh, I, was, I watched a clip of your elimination. And I was like, oh, no. like, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a Jeff Probst cardboard cutout over here. Probst is always watching me, man. And when he fucking <laughs> snuffed my torch, 
That damn pissed me off. I could see it in your face. I was like, yo, that's that's real. I, right I'm a there, huge man. fan, dude. So yeah. like I, I was devastated to get voted out of Survivor. But you know, so many people apply for Survivor mm-hmm. and so many people wish they could play. So just the fact that I was chosen out of tens of thousands of people is uh, you know, a, a very big blessing for me to be able to play. I, I love the show. I don't watch a whole lot of TV in general. Um, I've always watched Survivor since day one. I fell in love season one, and uh, I got to play, and now I podcast about it, and I'm friends with a lot of Survivor alum, so it's it's really cool. It's just a, like another chapter and piece of my life, you know what I mean? Definitely, and that's what's so so fun for me. Like, I'm watching this, and I'm just like, man, like to me, the Matt Bischoff I know, you know, Mm-hmm. Mean Beard sponsored ambassador, badass frontman podcaster. So to me, I'm like, I'm watching like it's it's almost like this weird disconnect for me where I'm like, it's like this whole other life almost in a way, right? Do you ever like, oh, yeah. do you ever think about that? That it's like just because well, even, even before that, you did some other really cool stuff too. Yeah, it's um, it's cr- I look back at my life and it's crazy because I've done so many things, whether it be through music or the beard community or reality television. Like I said, told you before we went on, I was on the show Miami Inc. Yes. Prior to Survivor. And that's when I got a tattoo of Hans Langseth, man with the world's longest beard. So that was on Miami Inc. Um, And then it's crazy because beyond that, like BMX bike riding was a massive part of my life. Like I was a professional BMX bike rider. I ran my own company called Failure Bikes. I've traveled the world. I've hosted many things on, like I was a host for um, NBC Sports would do the Dew Tour. And the Dew Tour was like um, a big BMX competition. They would have different stops. So I think it was like, it was right after I got off Survivor, um, I got asked to host the live webcast of the Dew Tour for NBC Sports. So I was doing that and... uh, yeah, man, I I put on events and I don't know. I, I used to work for Red Bull. We did a bunch of Red Bull events in my backyard and stuff. So a lot of people like that know me from Survivor or through bearding or whatever don't even know like how that whole I mean, other side. B, yeah, BMX was like probably bigger than most all of the other stuff. And uh I haven't really been I, I sold my bike company. I kind of moved on from from BMX and stuff, but I, I still stay pretty connected and I miss it. I, I love BMX. I grew up, you know, um, riding bikes and BMX racing when then I started riding ramps and street, you know, grinding rails and shit. And then I got sponsored and then I started my own company. So there, there's a whole just life of BMX that I live, you know? So I'm very fortunate because I have friends and, and people I admire in, in all those aspects, like I said, the survivor world, beards, music, and, and BMX. And like in the early 90s, I took my love of music and my love of BMX, and I had a public access TV show called Urban Discipline. Right. So I hosted this public access show from like, I would say like 92 to 1998. So it was before the internet. It was before YouTube, before podcasting. I was interviewing my favorite bands and record labels would send us music videos to play on the show. It's just like watching 
Headbangers Ball or M- like MTV, you know, um, ha- had an alternative show called 120 Minutes and they had Yo! MTV Raps. But it was more like Headbangers Ball, but my love for BMX, we incorporated like action sports, like skateboarding, okay. BMX, all that shit. So that was another huge chapter of my life, which kind of paved the way for me to be doing podcasting hmm. and stuff in 2021 i've been doing this stuff since the early 90s so it's pretty cool it was so it wasn't like a big jump for you to be like you know and, and i obviously i want to talk about we have so much ground to cover. i could probably do like six podcasts with you just covering because <laughs> there's so much stuff i want to talk with you about but on that note like so when you went from that bmx world and doing some hosting and things like that what you were talking about it wasn't like this huge stretch for you to then you know start hosting a uh, well, it started off as a Survivor podcast. Now you guys kind of do a little bit of everything with reality. TV yeah. Not, yeah reality not exactly. so like, so for me, like I was always used to being on camera mm-hmm. on the public access show. So even when I went on Survivor, for example, and they're filming you 24 hours a day, some of the people I was playing with was tripping out. Oh my God, they're filming us and yeah. we got to do these interviews. And, we, and I, that, that was second nature to me. I think that gave me an edge when I went through the casting to get on the show. It's like, man, I'm used to being the guy on camera and, and so forth. So, um, yeah, it, it, I, I had a lot of experience like before, like I said, doing my Survivor podcast. So the podcast, I mean, we talked a minute ago. You used to watch the TV show Survivor back in the day. Mm-hmm. You were familiar with Johnny Fairplay, legendary vil- villain of reality television. The heel. And Johnny had been doing a Survivor podcast called Survivor NSFW for a long time. Um, and this was maybe two and a half years ago, maybe, that I kind of met Johnny mm-hmm. uh, at a charity event. Him and I hit it off, became friends. He stayed at my house. And uh, I was familiar with his podcast. And, um, I guess the guy that was doing it with him, like bailed out. And I, and I, like Johnny was looking for another guy to co-host with him. And I was like, man, I was like, dude, I do video editing. And, um, I've actually been wanting to do my own podcast, not survivor related, just Mm -hmm. do a podcast. He's like, well, fuck dude, just, why don't you just do the podcast with me? So instantaneously within like a day or two, I had to figure out how to do a podcast and I just jumped right in the deep end with podcasting with Fair Play. And I've been doing that, like I said, for like two and a half years. So we cover, you know, when Survivor's on TV, we break down the episodes of Survivor. And then in the off season, we will interview former castaways and stuff like that. What are they up to now and so forth. Um, but since COVID hit, there hasn't been any Survivor. Yeah. So Johnny's like, shit, man, like, we got to keep our audience and keep our patrons and so forth. So we started covering like big brother and other reality shows. Um, and we're covering like Australian survivor and some other stuff, but I'm not a huge, it's called, so we had to switch the name from survivor NSFW. It's now called reality NSFW. Um, the only reason it's NSFW is we say shit fucking damn. And yeah. It's just unsafe. You know what Not I mean? Safe it's like for we, work, folks. Yeah. So um, we, uh, it's it's cool, and we have a, a, a solid group of patrons that that support our show, and we do special Q and A's weekly uh, for those patrons. So yeah, it's um, it's fun, 
and I enjoy it. And like I said, uh, it's always a trip talking with Johnny Fairplay. So, oh yeah, and you guys have such a great chemistry too. Like, just it's uh, it's apparent right away. Like this first time I ever listened because I think he was doing it with uh, a gentleman by the name of Matt Kuhn, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So yes. Matt Kuhn, and, and before that, if you're a big wrestling uh, guy, he was yep. doing it with um, Conrad Thompson, I believe. Yes, well, before yep. yeah, yeah. So it was Conrad and him. So I think it originally was called like Survival of the Ferris with Johnny Fairplay, Conrad Thompson. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then it was Matt Coon. And then Coon um, said, I'm, I'm over it. And that's when I stepped in. Mm-hmm. So He upgraded to a better Matt. Let's be serious. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love all that. Like I'm a big Conrad Thompson fan and stuff. So like, that's why yeah. I know that just because I've heard him talk about it before and put it over before. But Well, he's got a huge – I mean, see, I'm so dumb when it comes to the wrestling stuff. Yeah. But Fairplay's like, dude – Conrad Thompson has this podcast, like something to wrestle something with, to wrestle which is with, like yeah. huge, huge. He's got something to wrestle with. He's got what happened when he's got 83 weeks. He's got the iron show. He's got, what, God, what else does he have now? He has like all this stuff. He's got all this ad free show stuff. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I, like I said, when I was a little kid, I always joke around fair play. I watched wrestling. I collected wrestling figures when it was WWF. I'm talking like, WrestleMania one, WrestleMania two, Hulk Hogan, oh, yeah. Andre the Giant, George Animal Steel, all that shit. Um, and then I kind of, you know, got out of it. But Fairplay is still heavily involved in it, Love and it. Uh, you know, watches all the all the stuff. So yeah, hell, you should have Fairplay on here sometime just to talk about wrestling and he he's got a lot of awesome stories with roddy piper and all these crazy wrestlers i would love to do that i love roddy piper it's so nuts man it's nuts that's awesome but so going back for a minute so like when you were a kid like you just mentioned you know you maybe a little into wrestling and that but when did you start getting into bmx and when did that become apparent that like okay this is something i really really want to pursue well, so I had an older brother and we were seven years apart. So he was real into BMX bike riding, like right, like the racing side of things. So that's kind of what introduced me to BMX racing. And so I started racing and then I quickly realized I didn't really care about the competition of coming in first or whatever. I just like jumping the jumps and screwing around. You like so that, that led me just into kind of dirt jumping and then riding ramps and then the introduction of like street riding where you could just on your own go into a big city and just, you know, it's, it's like if you play Tony Hawk pro skater video game or something, rails and ledges and banks and all this stuff, there was a lot of shit to ride here in Cincinnati. So my love of, of riding kind of spawned from racing, jumping, et cetera. And I always grew up playing sports, but I liked, being able to ride on my own terms. I didn't like having to, you know, I remember soccer practices like every day after school for two hours, you're running. I'm like, man, eventually I was like, fuck this. I just want to ride. Yeah. I just want to do it on my own. And then, you know, music and BMX and that alternative sports kind of deal kind of went together hand in hand. Um, But yeah, it was really my brother that kind of, um, introduced me to BMX and then I just kind of took off and ran with it big time. Do you ever, like, I know that obviously, like you were mentioning earlier, you know, you did sell your company and you've kind of just moved on from that. Do you, do you still kind of like once in a while get on, get on a bike or? or oh yeah. You, I mean, here's yeah. the deal, dude. So like I had a backyard full of ramps and dirt shops. I That's had right. I remember seeing my, my whole backyard was absolutely insane. And, and, um, 
so about two years ago, well, actually about four years ago, I sold my house and moved to my new house. My kids were getting older. I wanted to get them in a better school district. Sure. So I, I, that was my number one priority. So I moved to my new neighborhood and, and from that point on, I did not have backyard ramps and I had ramps and jumps in my yard since 1995, probably oh, wow. until about four years ago. So I went through a long time of having that stuff to ride every single day. Well, like I said, I moved into a new neighborhood and then I had sold my company and, but I was still working for a bike company called DK bicycles um, about an hour North from where I live right now. And we had indoor ramps and stuff there. Okay. Well, I left there. I left DK. I was the international sales manager for them. I left. Yeah. But a little bit over two years ago, to work in the healthcare and IT industry, which is not anything I thought I would ever be doing. <laughs> yeah. um, but that is kind of when I, my riding really slowed down because I didn't have the ramps at our warehouse to ride every day. So, but I, I'll still ride. I, I, I'm so interested, dude, in um, so many things, music and podcasting and doing things with my kids and of course yeah. stuff like this. So like, um, I, I just have other things that are occupying my time. However, I'm just like, man, I really do need to, to ride more. You know, it's just a lot harder, you know, here in Ohio in the winter time, you have to drive pretty sure. far to ride in indoor place. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I still love it. And I still may get back in the BMX industry at some point in time. I've been actually talking with somebody about resurrecting my brand mm -hmm. failure again maybe as like a soft goods company or something like that. So we'll see. Okay. Okay. Well, that'll be cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's cool to, and you know, like in people go through, you go through um, not peaks and valleys, but like you go through different things, right? Like you might put something off to the side for a while and then bring it back or like mm -hmm. everyone goes through that. It's not like you're moving on from it completely or anything, but you know, right. the, I know the podcast stuff you do takes up a lot of your free time, obviously. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. you've got two, podcast and you're killing it with both obviously we've talked a little bit about uh reality uh not safe for work but talk a little bit about riff killers how did that whole thing come together and how has that podcast been going yeah so like i said before when I, I used to do my my public access music video show interviewing bands and stuff like that music is my true love my true love is not reality tv like i love survivor and and i do and i love podcasting about survivor and we podcasted about Big Brother. I think we're going to be doing Big Brother Canada. I don't think I'm going to be on that podcast, though, because I don't feel like watching that. But um, anyways, I intended a long time ago when I joined with Fairplay, I wanted to start my own music pop, you know, podcast. That didn't pan out. So we start, you know, I, I got involved with Johnny. Did it with him. Man. But all the time, I, you know, I've been thinking like, man, I really want to do music stuff. For fun, most likely, you know, it's it's like I, I'm, yes, like having a side hustle, podcasting and making a little money on the reality NSFW is cool, but I I tend to do things that I'm passionate about and that I love to do, no matter if there's a financial reward or not, sure. right? So, um, I wanted to do a music podcast. I thought, man, who? who do I know that would be good and that would be down and that would be the kind of vibe that I want. So I hit my friend Arthur up and Arthur lives in Palm Springs, California. 
He's actually Sully from Godsmack's Guitar Tech. He worked for like Limp Bizkit and Slipknot and all this shit. I knew I recognized him in, in another way. And I couldn't yeah. figure out where, but okay, that's that's how I recognize yeah, him. Yeah, so he's Sully's I'm Guitar Tech. Um, and then he played this band called Unita with this guy, John Garcia, who's a good friend of mine. John Garcia was a singer from Caius. Um, so I knew Arthur from Unita and through being friends with John Garcia. Uh, I've known Arthur for years and follow him on social media and stuff. So I just hit up Arthur one day, like, dude, would you be down? He's like, within like five seconds of me pitching, let's do a podcast. He was like, I'm in, let's do it. So um, what we did was, I mean, shit, we started probably it's right now it's 2021 last summer. We started recording a couple interviews. We just like did, we would do one and then we wait a few weeks and do another one. So we stockpiled a bunch of content and I'm so fucking busy, man, that I didn't want to have to have a weekly show with yeah. riff killers. So it started off being like a bi-weekly thing. So we have actually tonight after this, I'm going to be recording with Arthur. Oh. <laughs> um, but um, so we, we've done, uh, we did Alfredo Hernandez from Caius and Queens of the Stone Age. We did this chick from Cold Chamber, Roy from Stone Sour, this photographer. Then we, um, I think this week we got um, Ty Zamora from Alien Ant Farm. Oh, nice. And then we interviewed this dude, um, Oh, Mikey Doling from this band Snot. He also played with uh, Soulfly with Max Cavalera. Yeah, awesome. um, Snot put out one record. Their singer tragically died. Mm. And uh, super fucking awesome guy. He's actually working on a new band that's more Alice in Chains kind of sound. Mm. He sent me a couple tracks to check out. It's pretty killer. So that's anyways, man, we, we have um, quite a few uh, guests coming up that we're going to be interviewing and yeah, we're going to see where see where it leads, but it's basically music related. So, you know, we might interview another guitar tech or roadie guy or someone who's a videographer or someone who just is involved in the industry. Um, you know, we're not, we're not uh keeping it just a metal and, yeah. and and hard rock like um I've been, you know, messaging back and forth with Ricky Rackman from Headbangers Ball about potentially coming on the show and so yeah, it's it's fun. I enjoy doing it, and uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna keep busting them out as as long as we're still into doing it. <laughs> Bro, man, that's awesome. And if it's a podcast, I enjoy. So I mean, I'm grateful you guys are doing it, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm excited to hear that interview with um, uh, my gosh, I've already forgotten. Well, we have, the, 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 one, the ones coming Snot, out yet. Ty Zamora from Alien Ant Farm yeah. and Mikey Dolan from from Snot is uh, those are two we've we've already done those interviews so. Um, they're going to be coming out over the next month or whatever. That's uh, badass. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, but um, we have a whole other side of Matt that we haven't really even talked about yet. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with Matt and talk a little bit more about his music career. When we come back with Matt Bischoff. 
Hey you, yeah you, listen to The Harder Show right now. Are you in a band, maybe you're a business owner of some kind, a performer, maybe a pro wrestler, an event promoter, an athlete, or maybe you're just an everyday person who needs some photo editing done. You need a great graphic design guy, and have I ever got the hookup for you? My man and close personal friend, Mr. Jason Reese from Jaybird Digital Arts. Whether you need logos, t-shirts, stickers, tickets, business cards, banners, menu, brochures, flyers, posters, Facebook banner videos, door hangers, photo editing and restoration, print ads, lyric video editing, signs, notepads, window clings, letterhead, bookmarks, programs, magnets, greeting cards, calendars, rack cards, invitations, envelopes, pens. Jason will work with you to develop a style that is unique to you and that tells everybody just how special your business, event, or you personally are and you will stand out from the crowd. On top of the fact that he does offer free delivery between Coburg, Ontario and Kingston, Ontario, message him today right now for a free quote. That's right, a free quote. Tell him about your idea. You got something outside the box, he will make it happen. With great rates and service, you cannot go wrong. I've used Jason literally for everything over the past three and a half years and I cannot say enough good things about the man himself and his work. So contact him today on the web at jburdigitalarts.com or on social media under jburdigitalarts. That's J-A-Y-B-I-R-D digitalarts.com. You can also email him at jbird.digital.arts at gmail.com. And always keep in mind that his business is successful when your business looks good. One thing that obviously, you know, earlier we talked a little bit about kind of like your, your BMX grand, the podcast and things of that nature. What really drew me to you and the reason I really, really selfishly wanted to have you on my podcast was mm-hmm. your love of music, obviously, because that's more my bread and butter here, but also was your love of Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back with you. How did it all start with you with music? What was some of the first music you heard? When did you really start getting heavily into music well that's a great question um i like i said before when we talked about bmx my older brother he was a bmx bike rider and i kind of saw him doing that that introduced me to bmx and at a very young age i remember sitting in my room and his room was next to mine and i heard him listening to metallica like early metallica uh, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, ACDC, shit like that. So I was introduced to metal and hard rock from, from that point on. And then uh, I remember as a young kid, I mean, I have pictures of me probably nine years old with like, you could go to the mall and get like an iron on t-shirt at this mm. place called Velvachine. You could pick shit off the wall. And I I had like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden iron on shirts as a young kid. Um, And I would listen to a radio station called 96 rock. I'd bring my boom box out and I would kick my soccer ball against this brick wall back and forth and just listen to 96 rock. So I I instantly loved like rat twisted sister, um, Iron Maiden, um, you know, Judas Priest, like I mentioned. Um, And then MTV comes along. I don't, I don't know like the time period, but I, I got MTV and cable TV right when it came out. Okay. So like when the first WrestleMania happened and I had the pay-per-view, which you stuck, you could stick a little key and turn it in there. And that's how you got your pay-per-view 
wrestling, you know, WrestleMania, That's you know, awesome. it costs like 50 bucks or something. You charged your account on your cable account. But I got MTV right when MTV came out and was watching music videos. So I loved all genres of music. Like kids today grew up on YouTube and, and TikTok and, and social media and shit. But I was watching Cyndi Lauper and Dire Straits and AHA and Boy George and Talking Heads and all these bands, Aldo Nova, I mean, the Cars, the, the Kinks. I would watch these music videos and I, I loved it. Prince and all these bands. But I really gravitated toward heavy rock and roll and then, you know, metal. And, uh, and then like Headbangers Ball would come around. Um, so I would stay up and watch that. And then one of my first jobs when I was 16 years old, which is I'm 46 now, so 30 years ago, um, I got a job at Musicland, which was like a CD store. Um, CDs were very popular. There were you know record stores in every mall. Yeah, back in the day, kids, there was these things called CDs, and they were <laughs> this big. Yes. <laughs> so, so I worked. Um, that was one of my first jobs. I, I worked for Musicland, and um, I had just graduated. No, when I worked for Musicland, I was still in. Fuck, I was still in high school. Yeah, yeah, I was sixteen years old. Just got my driver's license, and. Even before I worked at Musicland, I would when I got my license, I would drive to record stores and buy cassettes and then CDs. I think the first CD I ever bought was I went to this place called Moles Records in the Clifton, which is in downtown Cincinnati area, and I bought a Flotsam and Jetsam, which was Jason Newstead. Yeah. I was, it was yeah. Doomsday for the Deceiver. I think was the first CD that I ever bought in my life. Yeah. So I started collecting CDs. I started working at the CD store and I just, I fucking love music, man. Uh, I never grew up playing an instrument, but um, as, as I started, like I said, I was gravitated toward metal. Obviously I started getting into Pantera and then grunge comes along. And um, I literally remember working at Musicland. And we would get promo CDs, right? The record labels would would bring us, they would bring us posters like you see right here. Awesome. Coming September 29th, dirt. And this is a jar of flies. Yep, you got a jar of flies t-shirt on, that <laughs> rules. And then, you know, all these posters. So we would get these um, promo posters and stuff, right? Well, mm. <clears throat> I remember seeing facelift. We got, I'm like, wow, this this fucking CD looks really cool. Popped it in there. And the very first, when I hit play and I heard we die young, oh, yeah. I was like, holy shit. Then man in the box comes on. I'm like, damn the whole record. I was like, fucking dude, this singer, these vocal harmony, this is the greatest shit that I've ever heard in my fucking life. And then like fast forward a few, this is like a promo copy of facelift. Right? So like, I was like, what the hell is this? Fast forward, you know, a few weeks later, Man in the Box video comes on and Allison Chains becomes huge like the overnight. Biggest, yeah. When that shit came out. And and I so I I was there for for the very beginning. Um and I, like I said, the reason that I have a beard, the reason I'm put it this way, dude, the reason that I'm sitting here talking to you in 2021 is because of Lane Staley. 
that's because I would not have a beard and have ever got introduced to bearding or anything if it wasn't for Lane Staley. Lane led me to want to grow my goatee, grow my beard, and that's what spawned my whole love of beards. And then it's what made me want to become a singer because I never, like, so I started, like, singing in bands probably. When I was in high school, I we did, like, these little bands where I would sing, like, Slayer covers and, and shit like that. Um, and then I think I was probably 18 years old, starting to do my, you know, original music, like, metal. I was in a band called, like, Decapitated Priest. <laughs> another That's band called <laughs> another <metal>, band bro <laughs> oh yeah and we want to be the man like how sick can we be decapitated priest what a I've, fucking I've badass still, i've band. still heard worse but that's pretty badass we were i was in a band called killing spree and then um when i heard sap from alice and chains come out i i had never really listened to a lot of like acoustic music and when sap came out, I was like, dude, this shit is so awesome. And that led me down a whole rabbit hole of acoustic stuff. And after listening to sap, that really spawned um, this band called dirt wagon. So I, I was in this band called dirt wagon, all originals. We recorded a, a full length. We never put it out on vinyl or CD. I have the masters still. We never put it out physically to sell it. Um, but dirt wagon was my first real band. We recorded 12 songs. I mean, I was a terrible singer, but I loved it, man. I, I mean, some of the shit was okay, but I was just learning how to sing. I was sure. I was a young kid, man. I, I loved like Soundgarden And like I said, Pantera and Alice Janes and, um, stone temple pilots and stuff. And, um, it even Pearl jam. So did dirt wagon. And then that was probably 95 or so. And then right around that same time, I started my music video show, Urban Discipline, where right. Urban Discipline, dude, we we would interview big time bands. Like I would look at the CD and I would find the management company and I would like call the phone number on the CD and I would say, hey, Biohazard and Life of Agony are coming to Cincinnati. I have this music video show. We would love to interview them. So then I'm on a tour bus interviewing the dudes from Biohazard. That's I'm interviewing awesome. the dudes from Life of Agony. I'm interviewing um, uh, fucking the dudes from Bad Religion and, and all these bands. And um, so that whole music video show led me to, you know, be a host of a, of a TV show. And I was just, like I said, heavily involved in music. We would do CD reviews record labels would send us VHS tapes of music videos. So we would play music videos. We would also feature in our studio, we have a TV studio in Cincinnati. So like you said on your podcast, you do a lot of shit with the local music mm -hmm. scene. I was totally into the local music scene. So awesome. we would have all kinds of local bands come in the studio and we would shoot like three camera full on live performances of bands we would also go to all the local bars and clubs and film bands. So it would be like, what's going on? Welcome to Urban Discipline. Today we got videos from Alice in Chains, Pantera, Sepultura, and we also got live in the studio, blah, 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 blah. And we're going to show you some BMX clips. 
And then we share the videos and we do like little intros for each other's segment. And then I had to go in the studio with these two VHS tape decks and edit it. It was a lot of work, but it became huge in the early 90s, dude, because there was no social media, but there's public access TV anyone could get and it caught on. And uh, it was really, really cool. And I got to meet some amazing bands that I really love because of that. Um, and then, you know, after Dirt Wagon and stuff, you know, I, I sang in various uh, little projects and stuff like that. But uh, around 2011 um, is when my band Moonbow formed. Um, good friend Davey McElfresh, who plays with Hank 3. He's Hank 3's fiddle player. Um, he also played in a metal band called Lethal. Davey's a local guy. I love his songwriting style. So he's like, hey, man, like, let's write some songs together. So we started writing songs, just like him and an acoustic guitar and me that became the first, the beginning of Moonbow. Um, and it's it's my favorite band I've, I've ever been in. Um, Davey and I, he also plays guitar in Soul Group. Um, the reason I'm in two bands is like, we actually, we recorded our first record called The End of Time, uh, Moonbow, um, and then we did an acoustic EP called Voto Del Demone, and we put it out on CD, and then we did a full-length uh, record on Ripple Music called War Bear. But we did that acoustic record, and we're always writing acoustic songs in addition to our heavy shit. And after a while, we were like, man, we don't play a lot of these acoustic songs at our normal shows. Let's just, like, keep the acoustic stuff as a second project right okay. so because only certain people are going to listen to like the super heavy stuff and uh so we're just like let's do two projects so that's kind of where soul group kind of spawned and we have a whole record worth of material for soul group if you go to Bandcamp, it's like soulgroup.bandcamp.com there's four songs you can listen to for free but we have a whole new you know album written and I've actually recorded a lot of vocals and we tracked a lot of it, but then COVID hit and we kind of haven't sure, done anything with yeah. it in the last year. So, but I want to, my goal for that is I want to put out and finish the soul group album. And then I want to start getting back together with Moonbow to start working on heavy shit. Badass. We'll be looking forward to that. I love, I love that war bear record. Like that's, you know, I, I, I still rip that record all the time. I'm a big, big fan of it. Oh, thank even, you. Even man. before I like when, you know, my early days of getting into me beard, it was like, Oh, who's, who's, what's that song you guys use for that? Oh, it's oh, this cool. band. And you know, so that's how I got into it actually. It's yeah. Funny. Yeah. That's so, awesome, man. But it's funny, like talking about soul group and war bear and that, and your past projects, it's kind of fun how like, you know, like, as I'm sure you know the story with Allison Chains with Sap, like, mm -hmm. you know, the reason that they did Sap was because they had these random songs that were like, you know, oh, I had this, I can't remember who it was. I was like, oh, I had this dream that we did this really John Kenny. Yeah, the drummer Sean Kenny, Kenny had the dream about John the EP Kenny. and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say you probably know the story better than me, but I am um, usually I'm the Allison Chains expert. And then when I, <laughs> so when I, and let me let me tell you guys real quick too, the other night. It's like was, a week ago, probably. Was, I think. Yeah, it was like a week ago now. Yeah. I was absolutely sitting on my couch just geeking out because this man right here started sending me videos and pictures of 
all of his Allison Chains posters and live shots. And he has like a, a binder full of like clipping some magazines and, and like different live shots and stuff. And I was just geeking out over that so much, man. I loved that. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's another one, man. I don't know if I showed you. So I got, I got like, you know, Jeff Probst Jeff. right here. <laughs> but uh, so there's this poster right here. Oh, that's here. awesome. It's a, it's a We Die Young yeah. from the oh, We Die Young um, video shoot. I mean, you can see the markings on the poster. It's old and I had it. And then there's a, a picture of Moonbow. It's a Mean Beard flyer. We were we the uh, official World Beard and Mustache Championships after party band with Moonbow yeah, sponsored like by Mean Beard. So that was another one. It, it was so fucking funny, man, because literally – Barry Stock was like our fucking roadie for that show. <laughs> he was helping us like put our gear up and late at night, tear everything down, dude. And like we're on stage in Austin, Texas and, and Barry and Heather and all the mean beard guys are out there. I'm fucking jamming out. And it's like Barry's out, like watching my fucking band. Yeah. Typically when I'm watching Barry's band, there's a few hundred thousand more people there. <laughs> But yeah, it was, uh, it was killer, dude. Um, but yeah, so like with the Allison Chains, man, like I, I do have a, a massive collection. And like I said, Lane Staley is why I have a beard. And it's kind of a big influence in my wanting to be a singer and, and uh, music. And it was just um, beautiful, important music to me. And I was fortunate enough to see Allison Chains with Lane Staley multiple times when Lane was alive. Um, I've seen him a bunch with William Duvall, which is killer. I've seen Jerry nice. Kentrell solo a bunch. And um, yeah, I just have a, because I was introduced to them during, you know, getting a promo copy of Facelift, working at that record store, dude, like all those posters I showed you and crazy bootleg vinyl records. And I, I was telling my kids, I, I was, you know, I got that binder. I was showing you pictures and I got pictures all over my walls and shit down here. And, uh, I was like, yeah, I used to go to the grocery store, man, and look at all the metal magazines and just kind of like, anytime I'd see an Allison chains, I was like, fuck, I'm not going to spend five bucks in this man. I would just like whoosh, rip out That's the fucking mat, rip out the pictures and put them in my fucking pocket, man. And I did buy a, a lot, but there is quite sure, a few, yeah, yeah. That are that are kind of fucking stolen property <laughs> <laughs> from thirty fucking years ago. But someone's gonna yeah. hear this, be like, "Wait, that <laughs> motherfucker!" <laughs> but yeah, dude, it's um, music is so awesome, and I'm I'm passionate about it, and that's why, like, I'm I want to do Riff Killers podcast, and uh, and yes, yeah, singing in my bands, man, like being on stage singing writing songs recording playing live i love all of it it's awesome that's badass man it's great and it's and it's so cool because that was something that like we kind of bonded over because like i would get into allison change i mean there's stuff you were showing me that like i'd never even heard of yeah and i'm like okay the fact that like i was telling my girl that earlier like and i was show, i'm showing her and she's like yeah. she's cool like she she's a She's wonderful. She went and saw Allison Chains with me twice, and she's like a top 40 kind of, you know. Like, yeah, right, right. She yeah. likes a couple. Like, she loves your decision and stuff. But, like, right. she's like, 
I'm showing her and I'm just like, my face is lighting up. And she's like, I haven't seen you smile like that since we saw them last when we were Casino Rama. Like, she's like, it's just funny how like, she's like, it just completely like was this whole new thing. So it's, it's funny that, um, you know, I, as much as I wish I could have been there in the early days, obviously I didn't get in until after I was like 2005 when I got into them. So of course yeah. Lane had already passed away, but right. do you have a, do you have a fun story about um, being able to see them live? Cause obviously I know you, I you probably do a whole podcast on Alice in Chains, but I know well, you yeah. have a really cool picture. Yeah. So I mean, literally dude, one of, besides, you know, the birth of my children, obviously and getting married, like those high moments, one of the coolest and most awesome nights of my fucking entire life was December 5th, 1992. Um, Alice in Chains was playing Bogarts on the Dirt Tour. Um, they were playing with Screaming Trees and a band called Grunt Truck, which is also fucking awesome. Um, prior, so I had already bought tickets to that show, right? I'd, I'd had tickets way in advance. But um, Sony Music, Columbia, Sony they did a contest where you could submit a photo of yourself with the theme of the album, sweet oblivion from screaming trees or dirt from Alice in Chains submit a photo and the winner. Hell yes. This is just for context folks. This is, <laughs> there we go. And I, so I entered this contest, dude, it was for tickets and backstage passes. I went to the dirt jumps where we would ride our bikes and I got in this like hole. I laid down and then I had my friend like cover me up with like dirt and just my head was popping out. I was kind of laying down. Doing the like pose kind of. Yeah, I submitted that photo and I remember getting a phone call. I was working at Montgomery Cyclery Bicycle Shop at the time. Got a phone call. Oh, this is Sony Music. Uh, Matt, you won tickets and backstage passes. You were the winner of the Sony Music photo contest. I was like, fuck, hell yeah. So I won that. There was an additional contest at Phil's Records, and I have the flyers that I'll have to send you pictures of to, to show you the both advertisements for both these contests that I won. Phil's Records, big record store at the time. They had a one-ton, like, dump truck load pile of dirt in their parking lot, okay? And there was, like, a 100 laminated numbers mixed in the dirt. So, like, Number one, laminate two. So each number corresponded with a prize, okay? Okay. So at first what they did was like they would let one at a time people go up there and try to dig in the pile of dirt, find the number, walk up to the guy. Oh, number three, you won a copy of Dirt on cassette. But it was taking so long that they finally were like – fuck it everyone just go free for all so everyone rushes this pile of dirt dude i'm digging in the dirt all my friends are digging in the dirt <laughs> ah fuck yeah i found the number number 35 or whatever the fuck number it is i walk up to the thing dude i i remember i remember the guy's got his clipboard all the he's like number 35 shh, shh, number th tickets and backstage passes i fucking won again I won so both contests, dude. Dude, so I sold the tickets that I originally bought because I now had four tickets, four backstage passes. So I went with, I invited my, my new girlfriend to the show and two other friends. And um, we're watching, you know, for, for one, 
I'm a huge Screaming Trees and Mark Lanigan fan, so seeing Grunt Truck and Screaming Trees was awesome. Alice in Chains comes on. It's the Dirt Tour. It's just like, oh, my God, this is like They're just heaven. Yeah. Halfway through the show, dude, Lane Staley goes, you know, in between songs, right? He's like, yo, some crazy motherfucker out there in the audience buried himself up to his neck in dirt to win a photo contest. His name is Matt Bischoff. And he's like, where are you at, Matt? I want you to come on stage. I was like, I was looking, I said, oh my God, Lane Staley is fucking calling me up. So I, you know, I had my shirt off. I had long hair and this fucking goatee because I was a wannabe Lane Staley. I fucking make my way up to the stage and like that there's like a barricade there and the fucking security guards are like, are you the guy? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's me. They lifted me on stage. So I'm on stage with Allison Chains. Lane Staley like fucking grabs a hold of me. Jerry Cantrell and Mike Starr at the time started like squirting me with like crazy string, you know, pouring champagne all over me. They're like throwing this fucking party on stage. I'm just like, what in the fuck is going on, dude? I want to stay. All this shit's happening. Then Mike Starr has a pair of hair clippers, like electric hair clippers. So he turns on the hair clippers and puts it right by the pickup of his bass, and you hear the buzz of the hair clippers over the PA. And Lane Staley's like, we're going to shave your head bald, Matt. And I loved my long hair at the time. Sure. I was like, fuck. I was like, you are not shaving my fucking head. So me and Lane Staley start, like, wrestling around with each other on stage, right? Finally, he's like, okay, fuck. We're, you definitely don't want your head shaved. So he's like, who wants their head shaved? So some dude's like, I want my head shaved. So they pull that dude up, set him on there. Lane fucking like shaves this dude's fucking head. I'm just hanging out on stage while this is all going down. And then once that dude's head gets shaved, it's like him and I both stage dive in the crowd and they go into the fucking next song, you know, whatever it was. I was just like, I cannot believe this just happened. And then afterwards, I had backstage passes. So I went to the balcony of Bogarts. So I got to meet Jerry, Lane, Jerry's dad, the rooster, was on tour with them. Hell yeah. So I got to meet them, and that's the picture I have of me and Lane. I don't know why I don't have a picture of me and Jerry, but me and Lane, he's got the bottle of Jack Daniels, the ministry hat, and uh, you see my goatee and making my rocker face and shit. And uh, and then afterwards, um, after we got the pictures and stuff and hanging out, um, Lane is super funny, dude. He was super sarcastic, super funny, super cool. We got the chit chat for a while. And then when they went to get on the bus, him and I were like eating some fucking pizza together and, uh, said, see you later. And him and Jerry and Jerry's dad and shit got on the bus and, and that was it. But, uh, lucky to have that fucking photo dude. And it was someone in the crowd was filming this entire thing with a big VHS camera and I always go to YouTube and try to find it, but I've never seen the footage and I know someone was filming. So I would give any, you know, dude, I would, I would give, I would trade my fucking dreadlock beard that I cut off for that footage. You know, it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic, man. Well, that's a man. I was just losing it over that story. That's so cool. it's, It's killer. It's One killing. last uh, Allison Change question I, ha- I have to ask. I got to put you on the spot here for a minute. What is, or give me like your top five Allison Chain songs? Um, 
Top five Alice and Chang songs, um, Down in a Hole, Nutshell, um, Got Me Wrong, It Ain't Like That. Yes. And, man, probably, oh, Bleed the Freak, maybe. Hell yeah. You know, it's it's so tough. It's like, um, Nutshell is my all-time favorite song. Oh, yeah, same here. Um, I love the song Junkhead. I love the song Dirt. I mean, the whole, like, if I, if someone said, we're going to burn every bit of music that you have, that you have in your house, except one thing, Dirt would be the only thing that I want to yeah. save. Like, if my house is burning down, I could save one album. I'm saving Dirt. You're grabbing Dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, same here. And it's funny, because, like, Nutshell is, like, my, like, you say, what's your favorite song of all time? I'm always going to say Nutshell, just because mm-hmm. the impact that had on me. But in it like that was actually the first Alice in Chains song I ever heard. Oh, wow. So, like, it's, which is weird because everyone's like, oh, it wasn't Man in the Box or Rooster. I'm like, thanks, Nickelback. Yeah. Um, that's how I heard it. Ain't like that. That's, oh, that's awesome. Man, that's great. But um, talking about, you know, Alice in Chains influences. And again, like I said, guys, I could probably listen to Matt talk about Alice in Chains for I could be a whole podcast, just me, just, I'll just mute myself and just listen to him talk about Alice yeah. Chains because I just love it so much. Um, but real quick, I of course want to talk about the fact that, you know, the reason how that we got hooked up mm-hmm. is because of uh, this company right here with yes, me and obviously you are, you know, well known in the bearding community. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned obviously Lane Sedley was the reason you started growing a goatee, but for a very long time, you sported a uh, fantastic dread beard that you just, uh, very recently cut and your beard is looking fantastic by the way it is uh oh that, you know it's awesome. it's i uh i put some uh i think it was cannonball oil this morning yeah my beard um i'm on a quest to grow it out again just full beard natural um i was growing a dreadlock for uh january 1 of 2012 to december 20th of 2020 so about eight years i grew my dread um so i've always grown like a long beard and then cut it off and then be like damn why'd i do that i've never been clean shaven but i'm like let's say i grew a big beard i'm like "Ah, i'm bored shave the sides to a goatee then i'm like fuck why do i do that grow a beard again so um yeah, mean beard. It's funny because uh, Joe Loving and I have a have a long history. He knew me as a young kid. He worked at a place called Camelot Music. Him and his wife both worked there. Uh, I would always go in there and buy shit. Um, so he knows my whole history of everything. So when Joe got involved in Mean Beard, um, I remember him. You know, we'd always been friends and stuff. And I was going to beard and mustache competitions all the time, like way before Mean Beard was even mm-hmm. in existence. Um, and I would always enter the freestyle category. Like I, like my biggest accolade, you know, was getting, I think I got third place at the 2011 Beard National Championships. I, I wrote the word USA out of my beard. I dressed like this red, white, That's and blue badass. shit. And uh so that was cool on a big stage. Like I had won some other small contests, but winning third place at nationals was fucking awesome. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. I have that trophy. I, I got rid of a lot of my beard trophies, put them in storage, but um, 
I keep that one out on my in my music room. But um, so yeah, Joe got involved with Mean Beard, and I remember him hitting me up and it's like, hey man, I'm involved in this new company, Mean Beard, and he's like, is Barry Stock from Three Days Grace's you know company? He has Mean Clothing and Mean Beard and stuff, and he was see like he saw. Um, I guess Joe had asked if he could put a picture of me online. It was like right around Halloween time. I dressed like a pirate. I had my long dreadlock beard. And um, I guess Barry asked Joe, like, fuck, who the fuck is that guy, dude? Like, we need to get him hooked up on Mean Beard. And that's kind of how my involvement as an ambassador with Mean Beard started was Barry recognizing my long dread beard and wanted me to be a part of it. Um, and then I went to the World Beard Championships in Austin, Texas. Mean Beard had a had a big house rented, and and we all flew in together like Team Mean Beard. It was super cool. Um, my band Moonbow uh, played at that. Um, mean Beard also sponsored and helped out with our video shoot for the song War Bear. If you go to YouTube and search it, you can find it on Mean TV. Um, so yeah, so Barry and I instantly hit it off and and became friends, and it was all because of through Joe loving. Um, so yeah, it's um it's super cool. And then Joe and and uh, his wife are both big Survivor fans, mm-hmm. so I've had them to my house for for uh, Survivor viewing parties. And Barry invited me and um, Davey from Moonbow. Uh, we went out to his his place a couple of years ago and, and uh, hung out for the weekend and wrote a bunch of songs. I got a bunch of demos and stuff recorded and uh, yeah. So maybe one day there'll be like a little side project group of songs that we'll throw out there um, with Barry on guitar and me on vocals. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got involved in mean beard. And then I recently cut my dread off. I, I broke it off. I broke about two or three yeah, feet of it off. Yeah. Yeah. And so my goal was to grow it to the floor. And uh, unfortunately, as it got long, it, you know, it, it would get some thin spots in it, you know, because it was so long and always rubbing against places. And I would always have to tie it up in big knots. And yeah. Shit. You'd be like throwing it over your shoulder and like. It yeah. So and, yeah. by bending it, it kind of fucked it up a little bit, dude. So um, I was camping one time in October of 2020 and I didn't realize I was stepping on the end of my beard. And when I went to stand up, it just kind of where, where it was thin, it just completely ripped and I broke off a huge chunk and I was like devastated. I was like, fuck. So then it was like down to like my, my waist. And I was just like, man, I, I I literally just like lost like six years of, of dreadlocks. Yeah. So I was, dude, it's such a pain in the ass having that super long beard. So I finally just got, I was like, man, I'm over it. And, and I knew my wife, like she hates like the dread. Like she likes a big giant, like Joe's beard and shit. Like she loves big full beards. She never was a, I mean, she never said like, cut that thing off or else. But she just was like, like, man, I, she's like, she's like, one day you're going to fucking cut that thing off. She'd always like joke around me. And, uh, so I just personally was over it. I was wanting to cut it off and I made the decision and I was like, man, my, my 20th wedding anniversary is coming up. So as a little token of our 20 year anniversary, I was like, ah, oh, this would be something cool to fucking do for that. So I, I, uh, I fucking cut it off. 
and I, I've had zero regrets. I, I think that if I wouldn't have broken my beard off, I would have not cut it. Sure, yeah. But since when I got it broken off, dude, I just like fuck it, dude. I'm just gonna grow a big full beard again. So I'm, I'm about you know, this beard is I haven't. I know all I did was I cut it off, so I, I didn't trim up Trimming and round it, off anything. Yeah. I just like I'm just letting it do its thing and uh see where it goes i mean i'm just gonna you know grow my beard for a while and my hair i'm growing my hair back out too oh so. yeah <laughs> you're gonna be looking like a, a full-on rock star with a big old beard that, that dude first, i mean that, that by the time show man that's right i'm like fuck man by the time covid 19's done and i can actually play live music again i'll probably have long hair i'll probably look like i was in the end of time music video or the war bear video <laughs> by the time covid's over that's fast. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like for you guys, but yeah, we're still uh, things aren't looking so great with the, with the live industry right now. But you know, hopefully, no, hopefully no. the next few months, end of this year, or whatever. Hopefully, we can we'll be having a different conversation. Hopefully, I hope so, man. I, I really hope so. I hope so. Definitely so. Well, real quick with Mimir, do you have a uh, do you have a favorite uh, scent that you like for Mimir, or do you kind of? I like. I like Cannonball Man and I like Rockstar. It's funny you say that because I was like squirting some oil in my hand today and I'm I'm putting some I'm putting oil in my beard and I was like, man, I really need to hit Joe up about doing like a new scent. Like since I was on Survivor and shit, and there was like coconut and the ocean and stuff. I was like, man, I need to get him to do like a signature fucking beard oil or something like a signature scent uh, just a new something new that's like incorporates some shit that i that kind of you know uh influenced by some of my shit i don't know if he'll do it or not but uh i was like man i'd be so pumped to have like a a coconut island kind of vibes yeah because the cannibal I mean? kind of has that but it's like i know what you're saying as far as like because the cannibal's got like that like the bay rum and the coconut so it's it's there but it's like yeah I, I like a little, saying. Yeah. right like a like a new recipe you know what i mean so well like maybe it's just like coconut and beer will be my oil <laughs> i mean you know <laughs> listen joe we know i'm not i know you're watching so make it happen bud, but. but yeah i love i mean dude it's so cool because um like I said, I've been involved in, in the beard and mustache community for a long time. And being a part of Mean Beard is super cool. And Joe and Barry have been nothing but supportive to me in all my endeavors with my music and everything else. And uh, it, it's I wouldn't want to be on any other beard team. If I wasn't on Mean Beard, I wouldn't be like emailing every, you know, beard company on the planet saying hey will yeah, you put oh, me on your team yeah. yeah i don't give a shit like I, i'm just i'm stoked to be to be a part of mean beard man and uh it's awesome and i'm able to you know talking to you man like yeah. first time we're able to hang out and shit yeah so, and it's great and i mean you know i i owe that all to joe and mean beard really because i mean at, i wouldn't have ever reached out to matt bischoff to have him on to have you on the show because i'm like oh i don't know he wouldn't show but it's like well this hey we just have that kind of connection right so it's cool totally. and 
you know, Joe and, and Heather and Barry have been nothing but wonderfully supportive of me. And that whole Mimi community is just, uh, it's just amazing. You know, I can't say enough wonderful things about the whole community and everything and the whole mean team, everybody, yourself included, you know, it's been, especially being a short bearded guy, like coming into it, it's like, you never truly know how, how it's going to go. My past experience with the bearding community was not great. Mm-hmm. So it's there's like, a lot of, I mean, here's yeah. the deal, dude. I, I just want to say this right now. It is beards, dude. It's, this is beards, people that take beard and mustache competitions and shit like that. So seriously yeah. to where it's like, you go to charity events. Sometimes there's so much drama. I can't believe I didn't place in the contest. Fuck that. It's like, dude, who gives a shit? It's a fucking beard. Right. So I never grew a beard for a trophy. Mm-hmm. I like, it's cool to be able to like use your beard to have fun and drink beer with your bros and go to a, a competition that's friendly and funny yeah, and link cool. up with some people, you know, but it's just like the people that take the stuff so seriously, dude, it's just like, like, I'm just like, get over it, dude. Like it's beards. Yeah. If you don't get first place, if you don't, who cares? I don't care. Yeah. Like I just like being a part of this beard community and being able to raise money for charity, be able to represent a cool beard brand and beard competition or not. I'm going to have a damn beard, right? You got to have a, you, you got to grow a beard and have a beard for the right reasons, man. I'm a lifer. I've had beards way before beards were the cool thing. I just never liked shaving Lane Staley ever since I was 16 and could grow facial hair. I grew a beard. And I'm 46 years old, the same dude, basically, like, as far as my love of beards and shit that I was then. So have fun with it, man. Like, and and people that are like, if they're like, oh, dude, like, your beard is short. You're not, it's just like, dude, like, yeah, again, this is lame. It's like, come on, man. It's like, like, get get a life, dude. You know, it's like, I've grown a beard down to the floor longer than pretty much anybody in the, in the, you know. Most anyone out there in the entire beard world, I've grown a longer beard than any of them. But I don't, it's, I'll cut, you know, I'll cut my beard and keep it your length the rest of my life. It doesn't make me not cool. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's just like the beard drama is lame. Um, I love bearding and my wife, Tessa, created the Whiskerinas. I want to give her props, her support of bearding. Yeah, which that's bad. She created... The Whiskerinas, you know, ladies' fake beard, whole deal that you see Craft online now. and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was, at the time, I'm talking like, you know, 2010, there was not, the women would not get recognized. And my wife would go to these competitions with me and be like, dude, like, the women that support the bearded guys, there's nothing for, for them, really. So she saw a need for it. I had a book with Hans Langseth in it. And there was this thing called the days of 49 celebration that was in this book that I had. And they had this like beard contest called the crown prince of Whiskerino. And so my wife read this book and she's like, man, Whiskerino, Whiskerino, Whiskerinas. So she created this thing called the Whiskerinas held. uh, She did her first national Whiskerinas ladies beard and mustache competition the night before it was 2011 Lancaster, Pennsylvania. The dude at the time, Phil Olson, president of beard team USA 
wasn't he he didn't want it to be a part of like the the men's shit so she's like man fuck you dude i'm gonna do my own shit she put on this event which was way more badass than the men's event ever could be it was sick dude and there's like a documentary on youtube if you type in whiskerinas but uh so we did the fir- first whiskerinas event in 2011 and then she did another one in 2012 in las vegas badass that created a whole community of local chapters all over the place. And my wife doesn't care about being like, you know, she never did it to have these like accolades of, Oh, I'm sure. Whisk Greenest chick. But I always like, she's real humble about the stuff. But the fact of the matter is it's a huge thing that she did. And um, I give her mad, mad props for making that shit happen. So she's always been a big supporter of beards and, um, yeah, so me, I, I'm, I'll, I will always have a beard. You can see behind me on the video version, this right here was uh, my tattoo artist at the time. This is when my dread was a baby dread. I made T-shirts with, with this on it for um, uh, my survivor viewing parties. It says Team Beards, kind of blurry, but I sold those. And then there's a newspaper right here from Norway talking about my uh, Hans Langseth um, tattoo. And that was from 2008. And uh, one last story I will tell that's really meaningful to me is um, I was obsessed with Hans Langseth, the guy with the world's longest beard. Well, one of Hans Langseth's surviving grandsons saw this newspaper article from Norway Somehow got my address. I remember going out to my mail one day and getting a letter from Russell Langseth. Wow. And it was like, hey, man, I discovered this article. I saw your tattoo. That's my, you know, great grandfather. And he's like, his beard was in this chest and we donated his beard to the Smithsonian and blah, blah, blah. So I started this relationship with Russell Langseth. I talked to him on the telephone multiple times. He sent me a bunch of, uh, newspaper clippings and really rare shit of Hans Langseth. He's now deceased. Russell Langseth is, but um, it was so cool that my tattoo, my love of beards and shit like that led me to having a relationship with the grandson of, of our, I think it was a great grandson actually of, of Hans Langseth. So um, really fucking cool. I'm very blessed, dude. Like whether it be BMX my music, my podcasting, the beard community. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I'm thankful every day for being able to talk to you about, about shit. You know what I mean? And, uh, so yeah, I'm just like, man, everyone is so stressed out about COVID and politics and all this stuff. And I get so tired of it. I try to just, you know, like the mean beard, like a positive, aggressive attitude. Absolutely. Be positive. I don't need drama. That's why I don't like the beard drama. I'm just like, man, I just, I post shit on social media of my family and my kids and my music and all the shit that I do. And I try to be inspiring to others and just be a, a positive influence. And, and, uh, that's all you can do. And, um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity, brother. 
Definitely. I appreciate it, man. I mean, putting it out into the world, that's what it's all about. And that's what the mean beard message is all about. And that's you right. Know, you've, you've been cool as held me from day one. So, you know, I appreciate it. And you're, you're someone who I uh, definitely very much look up to with all the things you do. So I, no, I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate you doing this with me here today. Just one last quick question. That's kind of a staple. I always ask here on the show. So I got to make yeah. sure I ask you, right, right. do you have either a, really great fun story about like the best show that you ever played or flip side. Do you have a really funny story about like just comically the worst show that you ever played or do you have one of each? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll say one of each. So the, the best show I think that Moonbow ever played was we I actually, I have it. You can see in my video uh, right there. It's hard to see, but uh, City Beat, which is a local newspaper here in Cincinnati, they have what's called the Cincinnati Entertainment Awards. And 2000, I think it was 2014, Moonbow got, um, like this for all local bands, right? They have, it's like a, Grammy Awards, but for local bands, right? So Moonbow got nominated for Best Hard Rock slash Metal Band. There's like, you know, us and four other other bands nominated. Um, Our album was nominated, our album in the time was nominated for Album of the Year. So it was like us amongst other genres of albums, right? So the Album of the Year category could be any genre. But so in the time was Album of the Year nominee, and then our music video was nominated. Uh, our end of time video was nominated for best music video. So we had three nominations and we got invited to play the award show. Oh, so that was one of my great honors playing locally. So I would say, even though it was only two songs, being at the award show, playing in front of all my peers and the whole Cincinnati music industry was the best show that's awesome and then we ended up winning best hard rock so we got to go up on stage and got presented our fucking award oh yeah and got to give a little speech and then we were actually on the cover of city beat uh magazine the following week so we got the cover shot was epic so that that whole thing was the best um the worst i would say um man so there was a time where we had a show booked at a brewery and our bass player last minute couldn't make it. So we played the show as a three piece with no bass. Mm. So as much as I love our band and we did, we didn't want to cancel the show. So Davey's like, dude, I'm just going to like play through like a crazy pedal. Like I can, I can kick in this pedal and I can pl- make my guitar go through a bass amp and a guitar amp and even though there's not a bass player we get that old low like an octave pedal or something but getting through that show just like when that was over i was like oh god never again do i not like do i want to play a show without a bass player so i would say those are the the best and the worst (laughs) there you have it definitely so it's important having that low end man it really is it's not there it is man when you don't have that it's just like you don't realize like how important that shit is, you know, it'd be like, you know, like Alice in Chains without Jerry Cantrell's backup vocals. 
Although that would still be killer because Lane's awesome. But of course. the combination of, you know, even William Duvall and, and Jerry is what makes the beauty of a lot of those songs. So. Definitely so, man, for sure. Well, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to talk with you, brother. I, I knew I was going to enjoy this and it's been great getting to, you know, you, you've led a fascinating life, my friend. And I mean, I could have you on for six more episodes just to talk about so much different stuff. So I, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. And guys, I'll make sure I have all the links down below for everything that Matt does. But real quick, where can the good people find you if they want to give you a follow and check out some of your other uh, content? Yeah, so I mean, follow me on Instagram at the Matt Bischoff. Um, my newest podcast is called Riff Killers. So uh, at Riff Killers Podcast. And then my, if you're into reality TV and the whole survivor thing, reality, NSFW, um, all that stuff, um, just search it up because with the, the whole survivor, it's like a rabbit hole of shit. I do so much crap and I cannot always keep up with like all the, you know, it's just like my bands have been kind of on hiatus for a year. So I haven't been really posting my music stuff, but if you're interested in my music, you can hear um, soulgroup.bandcamp.com and then moonbowrocks.bandcamp.com. And then if you just go to YouTube and search Moonbow End of Time, Moonbow Warbear, you can find some badass music videos. Um, and yeah, hey, listen, everyone that's ever supported me in anything that I do, thank you very much. And definitely check out Mean Beard, uh, awesome beard product. And even for me, bearding, as cheesy as this fucking sounds, I always think it's cheesy to say this, but... It's just like, for me, it's a lifestyle. It's not about um, beard competitions or this or that. It's a lifestyle, man. And and uh, you got to keep your beard looking good, whether it's fucking short or long. And Mean Beard has got the product for you to keep your beard conditioned and, and ready to fucking do whatever you want to do with it. And uh, it's through a awesome group of people that uh, I highly respect. And um, so yeah, thank you, TJ. It was super good time, man. And I appreciate you having me on the show. Definitely anytime, brother. Thank you so much. You took the words right on right with, with Mean Beard. Big shout out to the whole Mean Beard crew. And I'll be looking forward to uh, seeing the latest episode of the Rift Killers podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks so much, Matt. Cheers, brother. All right, guys, there you have it, my chat with the almighty Matt Bischoff. And uh, what else can I say, guys? That was just such a fun chat. The stories about, you know, him wrestling Lane on stage when they were trying to cut his hair and stuff. I'm like, oh, that was so, so cool. Uh, you can just talk about the smile on my face how much I, I enjoyed that podcast. So big shouts again to Matt for being a part of this. It was so much fun. Again, big shouts to Mean Beard greatest beer cake company in the world for uh, basically again being the catalyst to make that all happen guys really without them you know i wouldn't have been linked up with matt and we wouldn't have had this podcast so big shout out to joe and barry for uh, all that and everything else as well and shout outs to you for listening and still watching i seriously appreciate it thank you so very much if you haven't yet be sure to hit that subscribe button hit that follow button if you are watching this on the youtube i seriously appreciate it if you do hit that subscribe button be sure to hit the little bell so that you can stay informed Anytime there's a new episode of the show or anything that all comes up with the show, if you're 
listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything like that, please be sure to hit that subscribe button. And uh, something I learned that I didn't know about Spotify is that you can actually add this podcast into different playlists and it will apparently like have the new episodes come up. So if you have a list of podcast episodes that you'd like to listen to, be sure to throw the hotter show in there. If you enjoy this podcast, I seriously appreciate it. Thank you very much. And if you're listening on the thing that doesn't enable you to leave a review, please do. I seriously appreciate it. It helps out this show very, very much. So, you know, if you uh, so choose, I would appreciate it. Very much so. And of course, before we go, I want to give a humongous shout out to my Patreon supporters, my hardheads. Of course, we got my man, Mr. Scotty D, longtime friend of mine and supporter of the show. Thank you very much, Scott, for all of your support over the years. My man, you know how much I appreciate it. And of course, got a big shout out to my man, Will, from Rolls Royce. If you guys don't know Rolls Royce, they are one of the greatest punk rock bands in the entire world. So be sure to go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you find your music. That's Rolls Royce, R-A-W-L-S-R-O-Y-C-E. Their tune, Elon, Take Me Home, is kind of relevant right now because Elon was just on Joe Rogan's show. And uh, always a good time, always a good tune. They have some really, really badass songs. So be sure to go check out Rolls Royce. And if you would like to get a shout out on every episode of the show and join my personalized uh, community on the Patreon, check out patreon.com forward slash the harder show. If you would like to become a part of that. And I want to give it one more quick shout out uh, to my new friends over at uh, solo.to. Basically I have a one stop for all of the links in relates to the show, wherever you can find the show to listen to. And my social media is on my Patreon. If you go on to solo, S-O-L-O dot T-O forward slash The Harder Show, you will find all the links for the YouTube, the Apple Podcast, the Spotify, the Anchor, the Stitcher, the iHeartRadio. Yeah, I can't think of anything else off my head right now. And, of course, the social media, the Facebook, Instagram, and the Patreon. So hoping to uh, make things a little easier because sometimes people will be like, hey, man, I don't like to listen to your show on YouTube. I like to listen to it on my podcast app, but I can't find it on my app. I don't know what's going on. So just go on again. That is solo.to forward slash the hotter show. I'll be sure to throw the link down below in this video. Oh, of course, on the uh, the audio version as well for my audio uh, listening podcast fans. I'll be sure to throw that down below as well. The description's a little weird. Uh, for for the audio stuff, so I do apologize. It's a little jumbled up, but the links will be there. I'll make sure of it. And check it out. It's something new I'm trying out. So and let me know. If you guys think that it's silly and you don't want to have to follow that link, let me know. And uh, I always appreciate you guys' feedback. You can hit me up anytime in The Harder Show, Facebook and Instagram, as well as Show at gmail.com. Thank you so very much again for listening, guys, especially if you are still listening or watching. It means the world to me. You get the patented... Audio and video fist bump. One for the video. One for the audio. Thank you so very much for tuning in this episode of The Harder Show. One more shout out to Mr. Matt Bischoff. Thank you so much again for coming on. I will have all the links down below for Matt Bischoff and all his projects. So go check it out. And I'll catch you next time on The Harder Show. Take it easy, guys.